to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read a few verses and then pray, and then I'm going to preach, and we'll let the Lord do work. You may remember that last week we read five verses out of Luke chapter 10 and then gave a year-end review of what all God had done through South Beach Church and, and all the various ministries we're part of and how God used us. And I, I feel there's more application in verses 1 through 16, so we're just going to start right at the beginning again. Uh, and maybe you're like, uh, you, you taught on this last week? I don't remember a thing. Yeah, join the club. I don't remember what happens either. And so we're just going to read this. Look at, he's, it says this, after these things... The Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Stop right there, eyes up here, and just get the context. This is about six months before the crucifixion. Jesus has been walking and teaching and acquiring followers and, and, and getting in fights and debates and all of this is happening. And now Jesus kind of sets his face. The Bible says, and when the time had come, Jesus faced himself toward Jerusalem. It was an epic moment. Jesus says, okay, enough of that. We're going down. In order to go down to Jerusalem, in order to fulfill my calling, I'm going to assemble y'all to help me do that. In order for me to do what I need to do, this is such a big concept. Jesus would say, he's chosen to say this. In order for me to do what I'm going to do, I need you to do what I'm going to tell you to do. Now we would assume, I would assume, you would assume that God doesn't need you or I to do what he needs to do. He's God, he's sovereign, he's part of the triune Godhead. He's in, he doesn't need us, but he has not by way of weakness, but by way of compassion, chosen to say, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to do a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm not going to do it alone. I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you, I want to do it with you, I want to do it with all y'all. And here he chooses 70 others, sends them ahead of himself in order to prepare the way where he is about to follow up and do stuff. Now I'm like super excited about the Lord doing stuff. Like I get up like, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And the Lord looks at me and says, I don't know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you kind of stall, you're like, uh, I don't know. I thought you were going to do. He's like, well, I thought you were going to do. I told you to do. I need you to do. You're God, you know, and this is thing. And the Lord then contracts on purpose. This is so fun. The foolish things of the world, the weak things, the base things, the broken vessels, the ones who in and of themselves realize, I don't have very much to offer. And the Lord says, cool, what do you got? Well, I got five loaves and two fish. Perfect. Okay, 15,000 hungry people, that'll be just fine. Really? That's all. I, yeah, Lord, I got a stick, like Moses would say. Like David would say, Lord, I got a sling and a rock. I actually got four extra rocks in case I need them. And the Lord says, let's go to battle. And God, on purpose, throughout the scriptures, this is great news for you, is looking for people, not big giants, not strong and mighty. He's actually looking for people that would just have loyal hearts towards him and that he would then show himself strong on their behalf. Crazy. He's looking for people who just say, I don't got a lot, Lord. But my eyes are on you, like Jehoshaphat said in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when Samuel went to Jesse's house and began to pick the very first king of Israel, he said, oh, it's this big guy, this broad-shouldered, head-above-everyone-else guy. And the Lord whispered to Samuel, said, no, no, not him. Oh, m must be this other guy. He's a little bit shorter, but yeah, it'll, be, it'll be all right. You know, and picked the next shortest guy, and he went through all the brothers until there was no brothers. He got to the shortest brother of all. He's like, you got any other brothers? And they all looked at each other like, no. Well, yeah, we do got the weirdo. We got the weirdo. Oh, you got a weirdo? Yeah, we got a weirdo. He's out in the field dancing with sheep right now, okay? Not, not dancing with wolves. That's kind of like, you know, admir he's dancing with sheep. Like, 
you know, writing songs. And David was his name. He's a songwriter, you know, kind of a, he just, he loved God and loved sheep and just kind of a, oh, and Samuel. And he heard about this guy with a tender heart t- towards God and towards God's creation. He said, that's the one. That's the one right there. Because, and then he goes on to say something so important. He says, because God doesn't judge the outside appearance, but he judges the hearts. And he sees what's really going on. And that can be either very alarming and scary or very encouraging if you're here and you don't have a lot to offer and you're broken and you're bankrupt and you're upside down and you're hurt and you're not the tallest in your family. You're the smallest and you're the least likely to succeed, but your heart is beating for the things of God. God says, let's do it. Let's do it. I will do through you and your willingness that which you could never do through your own achievements. And so God, on purpose, looks for people, little funky churches like this, little warehouses, little, little men and women who just say, Lord, I want to live in a small community, and I want to see if I can have an impact. I want to be a good mom, be a good dad. I want to be a good brother or sister. I want to I wanna just do something, Lord, but I don't have much. The Lord says, that's awesome. I would love to funnel heavenly power through you. And so here Jesus, going to Jerusalem to pay for the sins of the world, kind of a big deal, co-ops 70 others to go before him. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but let's read a few more verses, get them under our belt. It says, and then verse 2, he said to them, these 70, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Stop right there and imagine Jesus preaching to these 70. Just grab 70. He looks up and he sees a harvest of peoples. And he says, it's truly great. Oh, but there's not enough people. Let's pray that there's more people to go into the harvest. Now, Matt, I just, I get in my mind and start to think what this might have looked like, you know. And these 70 guys start to stroke their beards like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a great amount of people there. And we need more people. What are we going to do about that? And he's like, we're going to pray. All right, let's pray for more people. Verse 3, the prayers answered. Look at this. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And the Lord here says, let's pray for people. They say, yeah, let's pray for people. And then the Lord says, you're those people. And kicks them in the booty and sends them out. <laughs> this is important. There are things right now, and I'm going to get to this. There are things you're praying about right now. Oh, Lord, this is crazy. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. The Lord's like, yeah, cool. I agree. I totally agree. And the Lord then would kick you in the blessed assurance and say, now go do it. And yet you and I have a tendency to see problems, issues, holes, failures, mistakes, weaknesses in other people, other churches, our communities, the jail, the school, the, the bus station. The, we see, oh man, all that, yeah, that's crazy stuff. Hey Lord, would you do something about that? Would you do, and all of a sudden you feel this pushing, like why are you pushing me? You know, why you? And the Lord says, I would love to do something about that. And then the Lord begins to put feet and energy to our prayers through us. This is where Christianity gets nuts. Okay, my pastor taught me a saying, he who sees it ought to seize it. The people who see things going on, the people who see issues and holes in the public school system, they need more A's, they need more parent volunteers throughout the week. That's what would make this school better. Well, thanks for volunteering. I appreciate, you know, and the Lord would then send you into there. You know what the church needs? They need better 
whatever, bathrooms. Okay, well, thanks for writing a check for $30,000. We appreciate that. You know, you know what the church needs? Thanks for this. Or you know what they need? And the Lord, or you know what my family needs? They need to be more spiritual. We need more spirituality in our family. And the Lord would say, right on. I agree. Let's do that. Or you know what this town needs is more love and more forgiveness and more patience. And yet you go and get on Rage 101 and drive like a crazy person. <laughs> where you find yourself in line at Fred Meyer's having to wait at least three or four minutes. Are you kidding? <laughs> the nerve. Yeah. And the Lord says, hey, what if you were just that agent? Uh, use a more biblical word. What if you were that ambassador of heaven? What if I gave to you the resources of heaven and said, if there's a problem on earth, duh, not, not, not too hard to identify, but what if I gave you the very wealth of heaven, the ambassadorship that's what he's doing here he's he's knighting these guys and go out there and do something go out there and serve go identify a need and you and i we can't fix everything that's pretty easy to figure out we just can't do it all but the lord will give you a special burden for a special thing or a special family or it's so fun when you have your unique little niche you say that's what i do i love meeting with people that feel called to certain ministries and all they need is some equipping or some directing or connecting jesus here it says let's pray about this guys they're like okay let's pray amen now go us you know to this harvest because this group of people that jesus is identifying as truly great wouldn't have been that conclusion that they shared with themselves. This was a bunch of Galileans, a bunch of peasants and farmers, a bunch of normal people, possibly some Gentiles interspersed here. And when Jesus saw them, he said, this is awesome. And these 70 were just near enough to then get shoulder tapped and sent out. He says, go your way. I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Look at verse four. He gives them some instruction. I'm going to pray and then back up and go through this. Probably burning time right here, but here it goes. He says, carry neither money bag nor knapsack nor sandals and greet no one along the road. Stay focused and trust the Lord. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And I just love that direction of what our message is to be in verse six. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it'll return to you. It's going to work out for you no matter what. We could talk about that at depth. Verse 7. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever ministry you participate in, whatever thing you decide to partner with, just stay there. Stick and stay and make it pay. It, it will work for you. If God tells you, don't just bounce around. Well, I tried helping out with the high schoolers there at South Beach Church, but they ate me alive. You know, or, or you know, no one recognized me. I went to a life group one time, but no one said hi to me. You know, he says, hey, just go, don't pull out right away. Just stay, invest, commit, and don't bounce around from house to house. Verse eight, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are put before you. If you've ever done world travel on any kind of missionary sense, this verse is memorized and put in your pocket when you go into third world countries and they put before you some things. You're like, is this legal? Is this legal? Did you cook this? Or, you know, no, it's not cooked and it's illegal. Lord, you said, you know, and I have said before, I've actually prayed a prayer. Instead of, Lord, thank you for what I'm about to eat, I've said, Lord, you told me to eat whatever's set in front of me. Like, <laughs> you set me up, Lord. <laughs> and then I ate that food, man. I ate that food. I was in Peru one time and they put before me fried guinea pig. I don't know if you ever had fried guinea pig before with the fur on it still. And fried guinea pig there. And, and I was in Honduras one time and this family gave me some meat. And I knew where that meat came from because I was the one who bought it for them a week earlier down the hill. In the, and we had it in the glove box, raw meat, and gave it to them. And a week later, they're still eating. I'm like, I don't think that's that guy. You know? <laughs> 
One time my wife and I were in Fiji and this uh, family there, there, I was on the Singatoga River there uh, where they filmed Anaconda 2. Don't watch it. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, right, right with Ice Cube was in that one. I didn't see it either. But anyways, right there on this crazy, nasty river and they fished out these freshwater mussels and they were so excited to feed them to us on our final day there in Fiji. And man, we swallowed those things to the best of our ability. And oh, Anyways, all that's to say this. He says, hey, just eat what's set before you. Verse 9, and heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Wow, this is so rich. Jesus going to Jerusalem to die, but before he goes, he says, I want you to go preach peace. Live with people, be with people. We're not sure how this mission trip turned out. Was it a weekend? Was it two weeks, three weeks? Was it longer? We don't know. But he says, when you're there, I want you to bring the kingdom of God. Verse 10, he tells them it's not going to go easy everywhere, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, even though you didn't receive us and we're leaving, the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Jesus goes on to pronounce some woes to some of the neighboring lands. This would have been their, their commission right before they went out. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Just look at verse 17 so you know the context of how this went. And then I'm going to pray. It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for this day. This is all we got. We don't have the past. It's already done. We don't want to go there. We don't even have the future. It's not guaranteed, at least not to all of us. We don't know. But we do have right now. We got right now. We got our families, Lord. We, we got our community. We got our church. We got our Bibles out. We got our God. We got heaven. We got real time. Lord, I'm just like everyone I know. I enjoy watching videos and being entertained and seeing what's happened. And yet I miss out on so much of what's happening. Lord, I pray you'd forgive me for, for not being in the moment all the time, being on my phone so often, distracted. And, and yet, Lord, right here, right now, we're with the family of God. And I pray an anointing, a blessing. Lord, on, on this time as we take your word and say, it's true. It's true. We want to know it. We want to live it. And we want others to see it. And so, Lord, may you honor that pursuit of ours. We believe that we're, we're obeying you and studying and applying your word in this way and fellowshipping. So I pray for an anointing now. Open up eyes. If there's anybody here that has eyes that are scaled over, they just don't see it. They're wondering why all these people are here. Wondering why they listen to this weirdo on stage. What are they all doing here? I pray you'd open up the scales and they would see, Lord, see what, who you are. In Jesus' name, today be that day. And if there's anybody else here that does know, they know that they know that they know, but they need to be encouraged or kicked in the booty. They need to be motivated. I pray, Jesus, you would do just that. Most of all, we submit to you, Holy Spirit. Do what you want to do in our life, each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen.
Amen. Well, I'm so thankful for the context of the scriptures. And as you study out the whole Bible, you get to see what's really going on and how God is flowing and moving. And we began the Gospel of Luke about a year ago on November 27th, and now we're in chapter 10. And it's amazing to me that the next 10 chapters are the six months of Jesus' life as he navigates toward the cross. And all that he does and all that he teaches and all that he instructs for you and I to really go and prepare the way for him. And there's something wrong with each and every one of us that we wait for the Lord to do things when in reality, he wants to get the ball rolling by sending us. And in order to make that possible, he's done something absolutely crazy. He's made us ambassadors of heaven. I've used this illustration before. If you're at Fred Meyer's and you're not an employee and somebody goes down the wine aisle, okay? It's also known as the chip aisle. For those of you who don't drink, it's okay. You can be on the chip aisle, you know? And you're in the chip aisle, and whatever your deal is, you know what I'm saying? That's funny stuff, but whatever. And let's say a bottle of wine or a bag of pretzels comes off the top shelf and splashes everywhere. If you're not an employee there, it's not your problem. It's not my deal. As a matter of fact, I'm done with this aisle. You know, and you go on to the next aisle, like, this place just got crazy, you know, wine and pretzels everywhere. But if you're a, watch next time you go there and hear the big splash and the crash, and you'll see people that work there go into motion. Radios start firing off and mops start coming out and things start happening because they're ambassadors of Fred Myers. It's their job. It's everyone's job to make sure it gets handled well, even if somebody's not going to actually pick the glass up or mop the stuff. They need to make sure it's happening because they've been put on staff. They've been given a badge. They've been given training. So too, as Christians, you and I, this is crazy. Each and every one of us have been knighted. We've been given badges of heaven. We've been given DNA and citizenship in heaven. And God says, I'm going to leave you though on that wine chip aisle, okay? And things are getting nuts and things are flying off and it's crazy and radios are going. I want, I want you to participate. I want you to be part of it. And while every one of us have a different job description or even should I say a call on our life, I mentioned this last week, just the diversity in a crowd like ours, like this size right now. You're so different than each other on purpose. Yet you're all equal. That is made in the very image of God. Male and female, he made them equal in his image. Why? To do what he does. To be about his business. To follow the king, to learn of him, and to answer that call when it comes over the radio. Chip down, chip down, you know, whatever the case is. And I've told you guys this forever. When we gather here at church, this isn't, this isn't that. This is preparation for that. Okay, this is where we get our training. This is kind of the employee meeting where we figure out like how it's going to go and who's, who's the first responder and who do we call and where's the hazmat and who's the cleanup and how do we do this and what's my part? And we listen and we soak in the Lord and then we go out and we wait for the call, wait for what God wants to do. And so God has made us ambassadors. And the first thing I would ask you, I'm going to ask you hopefully a series of questions today if the teaching comes out right. Um, first question is, is do, do you see it as a privilege to be a Christian? Not just as you being smart and like, yeah, I'm, I'm no dummy. I weighed the f evidence and studied the facts and made my, my, my decision, you know. There was, there was more evidence, and there is. There was more evidence on the table pointing towards Jesus and the resurrection and the crucifixion. There's just, there's more evidence that demands a verdict, and I chose to be a Christian. Cool. Do you see it, though, as a privilege to be an ambassador of heaven? When you wake up in the morning, when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you go get coffee in the afternoon, when you, whatever you do, do you, do you settle into that? What in the world? I'm an ambassador of heaven. I have been put here on God's purposes to align my life with the mission of Jesus. 
And once you figure that out, that it is a privilege, not just you being smart and getting saved and letting Jesus take your sins from you and give his righteousness to you, but when you know that you're blessed to be part of the kingdom, it'll, it'll change the way you see things. God will give you a different vision for the church, for your family, for the community. Here's another question. Do you wake up every single day or at least have big ideas or big thoughts and say, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador of God. I'm sent out on mission for Jesus, living for him until I'm taken home to be with him forever. That's the goal. That's the goal. And when you figure this out, when you get the highest goal in your life is to fulfill God's will for the mission of Jesus in your life. Okay, this is my job as, as your pastor and as your friend and, and as a fellow laborer is to encourage you and to stay motivated myself to, to settle into what God wants to do with my life. Why did he make you? What in the world's going on here? We know famous people that are come and gone, the dead guys and the dead gals that have done amazing things, okay? They made the headlines, changed the world and discovered electricity or harnessed things or, you know, Bill Gates, you know, invented the internet or something like that. Or not Bill Gates, what's his name? Al Gore, Al Gore thank you. Oh. <laughs> Neither one of those are true, by the way. Thank you, though, yeah, you know. And there's, there's people that are famous, you know, and, and for something, and the world, the world helps us to push people to the front and focus on them. The reality is, God says, no, no, you're just as important as every single person, whether you make the headlines, whether you have a following, whether you even see the impact. God has made you in his image. I remember one time a friend of mine who's now in heaven said, you want to see a miracle? I'm, I'm no dummy. I was like, yeah, dude, just, just do it. And he put his arm around my shoulder. He's an older guy. And he led me into the bathroom. I started to panic a little bit, you know. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here, bro? Like, I could take you. I could take you, you know. And, and he let me, like, I didn't say that, I thought that, but I, he led me into the bathroom and he just said, look at the mirror. And he took a step back. He said, just, just look, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. And each and every one of you are a miracle. The, the human species, the human, the human race is amazing. And God says, no, I didn't give you, I didn't put you there without instructions. I made you in my image. You're an eternal being, Okay having a temporary human experience. You realize that, don't you? You're an eternal spiritual being having a very temporary human experience. And so the question that must go through your mind at least once in a while, if not often, if not every day, is, is my life being lived to fulfill the will of God for the mission of Jesus in my life? Am I doing everything I can? I'll just give you three ways to, to work that out into your own life because somebody's gonna sit here and misunderstand what I say and say, well, I'm, I'm a family guy or I own a business or, or I, I'm a teacher. I can't go into the world and be a missionary. And I would say this, in your life, are you fulfilling God's will for the mission of Jesus in your life at home, okay, with the people you live with, at your church? Okay, wherever your church is, however you value the church, God's bride, and in the community. Are, are you taking those three things seriously, saying that I live and breathe and have received the things of God to dispense them at home, at church, and in my community? Because I don't want anybody to misunderstand and get overly excited and quit your job or leave your marriage and go to the mission field. The mission field's right in front of you, okay? It's right here where the Lord would have you. Now let's just study this out verse by verse and see how far we can get. My intention is to get to verse 16. A little casual laughter would be nice right there. <laughs> Anyways, verse 10 says this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them out two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Stop right there. Eyes up here. I like how Luke records that this is after something. 
After these things, Jesus grabbed 70 others and sent them out. And you guys know how the story flows. I always like to look at the after these things because in my life, I got a lot of after these things. I got a lot of stuff going on in my rear view mirror. After these things, what Jesus had just done was encouraged three individuals in the previous verses to follow him. But each one of them had a difficulty doing so. One wanted to go into the past and deal with some stuff. One wanted to wait for things to get better. He wanted his family to kind of settle down and everything to go there. And, and, and one, one person didn't want to necessarily do with the discomforts of ministry and all this other stuff, the challenges. And Jesus said, okay, you having trouble following me? You having trouble getting with the program? Right after that, Jesus grabs 70 others. And by the way, we don't know if those three were part of the 70. They may have been, okay? By God's grace, let's just imagine they were that they rejected and they, they didn't know how to do it, but then God just, without me, has God ever called you to something? And then you give him your excuses. And then when you're done giving him your excuses, the Lord's just looking at you, saying, did I stutter? <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, no, no, not at all. I just was processing, you know. I was just, Let me get right on that, you know what I'm saying? And, and the Lord is so gracious. His grace is even in our rebellion and our laziness and our foolishness. His grace is steadfast. The Lord cannot deny himself when we are faithless. He remains faithful still. The call and the election of the Lord, the invitation is irrevocable. God says, I called you to this. Yeah, but I was busy. I was doing other stuff. And the Lord says, okay, well, what about after these things? And there is good news for you who have been lazy, who have been foolish, who have been rebellious, who have been blind to the things that God wants to do in your life. He would say to you, well, when you're done with that stuff, you want to get going? Do you want to go right now? And God is so patient. When he called Moses, Moses was a little aggressive and got out of sorts and eventually quit the team and for 40 years was discipled. And then when he was in his older days, the Lord met him with a burning bush. He said, hey, you ready now? Are you ready now? And he said, I'm not ready. I don't want to do it. And he said, well, what do you need? Do I need I stutter, you know? And he, he said, I can't talk very well. He said, well, get your brother Aaron, you big baby, and we'll go do this. I don't know what version of the Bible you read. That's the one I read. And big baby, you know? And, and here's, the, here's the good news. If you have not answered God's call in your life, you've been, fill it in the blank. Just fill it in. Busy, okay? Just lazy, selfish, sinful. And I know what it's like to have God's call on my life, and yet to be aloof, to be unresponsive, to be hard-hearted. And by God's grace, he is so patient. And when I finally submitted to the Lord, January 6th, 1998, at a Wednesday night service, I said, Lord, I've ran for you for 12 years. I've been doing my own thing. Okay, and in those 12 years, it's been pretty bad. For 12 years, it's been bad. And I'm sorry for the destruction I've caused to my own heart, to yours, and to the people that I've impacted through my foolishness. And Lord, if your call is still, is still active, it hasn't expired, if I haven't disqualified myself, then Lord, would you just open up a door? Would you do in my life, Lord, whatever you want to do? I submit to you, do something right now. While I'm still articulating this prayer in my mind, someone taps me on the shoulder and interrupts me in my holy moment with the Lord and asks me, would you ever consider being an assistant high school youth pastor? We have a position open up this next Sunday. We'd like you to do it. Just, you know, never, I don't know if you're kind of a ministry-minded person, if you ever prayed about this. And the, the Lord, if you have not served well, join the club. Join the club, even today. The goal, though, for you and I would be to make a decision today. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going all in. And when I made that decision on January 6, 1998, I said, Lord, I'm, whatever you want to do. And it's so fun, by the way. You can do this today. You can, you can say, Lord, take the wheel. I'm going to slide over into shotgun, and the Lord will look at you like, okay, I'm in the back seat. I'll just get in the back seat, you know. And, and, and the Lord will look at you again. You're like, okay, I'll get in the trunk. I'm just going to get in the trunk, you know. And you just climb in the trunk, you know, and just trust him. And just trust him. 
People freak out when they give their lives to the Lord. What do I do now? I said, just stay, stay, out, of the, stay out of the driver's seat. Stay out of the driver's seat. Yesterday, I had a friend of mine text me and a group of others, just kind of panicking a little bit. Pray for me. I'm trying to make big decisions. I don't know what to do. I'm all panicking. All these life decisions, crazy stuff. You know how old this person is? 18, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm looking at this text going, dude, just, just, just you know, I, I've been 18, freaking out. I know what it's like. And you want all the answers, and you don't know anything. And listen, but, but you who've aged a little bit, God's been faithful to you when you just stay in the passenger seat or the back seat with a harness on or whatever you need to do. After these things, after what things? After this inability to serve the Lord, finally Jesus is able to find 70 people to serve the Lord. And we talked about that number there, 70, being this holistic stretch that, that, that God is going to reach the whole world through these guys, through their message, and that God wants to reach everybody. His heart is for the lost. It is for all peoples. Some people get bogged down in their creativity. Of, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know if God wants to do this. And there's senior centers, and there's prison ministry, and there's hospital visits and there's ride-alongs you can do and there's all kinds of things you can volunteer here volunteer there you can go to a meeting even if you go to celebrate recovery on tuesday nights and there's people that you could minister to maybe god has grown you and given you this ability to see things and help people and you just want to i'm going to grab people's hands and walk them to the next step of their life there you go there you go now you grab somebody else's hand and help them out that's the rules you know and you go back and, and you just help people and the lord wants to reach out. And so I tell you again, if, you, if you're just here going, what am I even doing with my life? Just make a decision today. I'm just going to let you take the wheel, Lord. Show me. Overrule me. As a matter of fact, last Sunday, were you guys here? I was here. Last Sunday after the first or second service, I don't remember, a friend of mine who I just met for the third or fourth time, he's been going to church here for about a year. Anybody been going here for about a year and I've met you three times? Sorry. You know, and I was like, hey, how long have you been going here? About a year. I feel dumb, you know. And he came and talked to me and he said, yeah. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. He said, I've been not doing what I feel God has called me to do for over two years now. He's given me a call. He's given me a skill. And I've just been taking a break. Okay, it's okay to take a break. His own words right here. The break went too long. Okay, my bad. And I'm done with it. And based on today's message and the last couple messages and where I'm at, I want to meet with you and talk about what God wants to do through my allegiance to what he's put on my life. I was so blessed and we had coffee. I'm excited to see how that comes to fruition. And if you haven't done that yet, do it today. Okay, today's the day to just decide I'm going all in for Jesus because his grace is flowing. Look at that. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and he sent them. This idea that Jesus would ambassadorize them, send them out as well. Give them this ideology that I'm sent. I'm on mission. I'm here for a reason. I remember the first time that I got sent to the hospital there at Rogue Valley Medical Center. Pastor Mark Anderson called me and said, I got to go pray for this guy, and he, I can't do it. And can you go there? It's room 508 and all the rest. And I just went in there with authority and boldness. I didn't know this family. Somebody needed prayer, and I was able to go there sent. My question to you is simple. Do you see yourself as one who's sent, or are you a free agent still? It's really going to change everything. Do you see yourself as one who's been sent you've been asked by god to be part of his team sent out and by the way the most important part is that as jesus was sent he says so now i send you the more you know jesus and i'm learning anybody else learning i truly am learning i'm so ashamed at times at the thoughts that go through my mind throughout the day even as an ambassador of jesus in sharing the love of god and witnessing and inviting people to church and oftentimes i have to stop my own tongue from saying lord can we call fire down at least on these ones you know 
like, like Peter, like James and John, you know, I, I just, I'm so far from Jesus. I still, the flesh is just right there. And the Lord says, hey, John 20, 21, Jesus said, peace I give to you. And as I was sent, now I send you. If you have your Bible in front of you, look up to Luke 9, 56, uh, 10, uh, verse 56 of chapter 9. This is Jesus' response to his boys when they wanted to cause physical harm to those who would not become believers. <laughs> Jesus says, just so you, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Stop right there, eyes up here. You want to be an ambassador? Okay. You got to humble yourself like Jesus did. As a matter of fact, let me say it differently. You get to humble yourself like Jesus did. You get to be walked on. You get to be less than. You get to be misunderstood. You get to be unappreciated. You get to be hated. You get to be different than, just like Jesus. I sent you just like I was sent. And Jesus came, as we see in just a few verses here, as a lamb to the cross. So too we are sent as lambs amongst wolves. And I just ask you one simple question. Do you see yourself as being sent? Are you, are you on a mission right now? Or let me say it differently. Whose mission are you on? This will change everything. Okay, now I'm a kind of a you know, fast thinker, things happen all the time, and I find myself doing things that aren't in congruency with God. But at the end of the day, I'm on a mission from God. Okay? I'm on Jesus' mission. He's got, and I'm so thankful for that. And I would ask you if you've made that decision, whose mission are you on right now? Because that's the defining question that you must answer and answer well, or else you'll get off track, you'll get it twisted, you'll go on tours and detours and get lost and go out to lunch. The Bible says that we're like sheep who wander and get lost and taken out by wolves. So it's imperative that we see ourselves as sent ones. Jesus was sent to save, and that's the whole reason we're here as well. And if you're like me, you've got kind of an evangelistic spirit and you want people to know Jesus and to see Jesus. And it's so fun just to remind yourself, yep, that's what I'm here for, to humble myself, to serve, and to share and to shine in that way. How are we going to do that? I think Jesus gives us some specific ways uh, practically in order to be sent and to stay sent. Look at verse one again. I'm, just gonna, I'm hammering this verse as much as I can get out of it. It says this, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and he sent them two by two. This is so fun. You're an ambassador. You've been sent. You're on his mission. My question to you is, how are you going to stay focused? How are you going to be able to pull this off well? How are you not going to get into a ditch? How are you not going to be attacked by a wolf? How is that going to happen? Partnership with others. Community. Accountability. Friendship. Witness. Strength. Here in this specific context, two by two, okay? Two guys go out, one at a time, with each other, in order that they might establish that community, that fellowship. And I always like to describe fellowship as two fellows in a ship, you know? It's real close, it's real intimate, you know? And you guys are getting seasick together and helping each other out and catching, you know? It's really, my question, my simple question is, is who is your partner in the ministry holding you accountable? Who do you have? Is it your spouse? That's awesome, okay? Is it some girlfriends or some boyfriends? Girlfriend, girlfriends or some dudes, whatever they call you, or do you know my guy friends? You know some some guys, some lokes, you know on your side, or some girls, you know they're 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 doing this together and holding each other accountable. Who is it that is going to hold you accountable? Jesus didn't just make up this number two by two because he was bored or because he wanted to create thirty-five teams, whatever the case is. But there is the actual strength in this. The first one again is community. Okay, it's more fun to do things uh, with other like-minded people, to not be alone. Christianity is not to be an uh, isolated sport, if you would, spectator sport, but a community involvement. Second reason he would send them two by two is for accountability. It's hard to get off track when you have somebody watching your back. 
okay? When you really have somebody, accountability partner, somebody who's just gonna hold you accountable. I've been off track. And you know what? When I do things that are weird and squirrely and wrong, I guarantee you I'm not telling everybody about it. I'm holding it to myself. I've told you guys this before. There should be at least two or three people in your life that you love by way of community so much. You love them so much that they know everything about They know so much about you that they should be able to call the FBI and turn you in. I got them, you know. Like, so there should be, two, not, not four or five people. That's too many. They will call the FBI. But two or three, two or three, they're going to say, hey, what in the world are you doing? And not be afraid to throat punch you if you need it. Okay? Instead of talking behind your back and your friends stab you in the back, stab you in the front, right to your face. Okay? You need some friends like that. You're going to say, well, you're out of order. You're out of, you're out of whack. I see what you're doing. I see who you're calling. I see who you're hanging out with. I see what's going on. We're on mission, dude. Where are you doing going there? Why are you at the place? Why are you with that person? What's happening here? You need that. And by the way, you need to be that for somebody else. I've had to be that person more times than I, than I wish. But I'm actually growing in it. I'm growing in it because the Bible says you who are spiritual, you help those who are failing in their spirituality. You get involved. Jump into their stuff, okay, in love. He says, I want you guys to go two by two. Number one, for fellowship and community, but number two, for accountability. Number two, for witness. When you go two by two, there's just a, stra- a, a stronger witness to when there's two people living for the things of God. When the community sees that, that you're not just a solo person, but you have somebody that believes everything you believe, and everyone's like, wow, there's more than one of you? Interesting. And there's a lot of people, and there is a greater witness to the things that you're trying to present. And the last thing I would say is there's a strength. Okay, much like the accountability aspect, so you don't get picked off when things go crazy, because things are getting crazy out there, and God wants these guys to make it well. Here's my questions, and I'm going to move on. Who's your partner in, in the faith? What, what team do you have right now, and how are you sticking close to them? And hopefully you have good answers. Hopefully, I know, I know my girls. You know, we communicate, we, we, we pray, they ask me questions, they see. I, I know my dudes. The other questions I asked, though, was not just who are they, but how, you, how well are you doing in that? Are you letting them in? Are, are, you, are you seeking their advice? Are you listening to it? I've given advice over the years and just seen it fall on deaf ears. And I don't want to do that to you guys or to my people, and I don't want you to do that to the people that love you as well. Look at what else he says. I kind of alluded to this in the opening thoughts. He says that he sends them out before his face into every city, verse 10, the loudest part, and every place where he himself was about to go. Jesus sends them to plant seeds that he would come along and then bring fruit to. He sends them out to plant seeds and possibly even to those who had already received the gospel to bring the water. And then Jesus says, I'm going to come up behind you. Now, this is crazy because in our kind of a more spiritual Christianity, we just like to get behind the Lord and follow his lead. I'm just going to follow the Lord. I just want to get, get in front of the Lord. I want to follow his lead. And there's a teaching on that, and there's a place for that. Here, though, he says, I want you to go in front of me. I want you to go do things believing that I'm going to come behind you and do things that you can't do. You do what you can do. Plant a seed. Boring. You ever, any gardeners in the house going to get some gardening? Yeah, gardening. You know the most boring part of gardening? Planting seeds. Okay? There's work involved got to get the dirt ready and get the weeds out and the rocks out. You got to get the dirt, you know, pH balance. You put the seeds in and you water it. And then you sit back and you're filthy and you're dirty and hungry and there's nothing to eat. Right? You want to be a gardener? You're eating out that night. Okay? This just doesn't even work. This is all broken. 
It's a trick. And the Lord says, that's how it is in the ministry. I want you to get dirty with people. I want you to help them get the stuff out of their lives that's inhibiting growth. I want you to give them the seeds and the water that will bring growth. And I want you to be okay with being filthy and dirty at the end of the day and having nothing to show for it. I'll come behind you and I'll do the magic. Now this is nuts. Because I'm the kind of guy who wants to pray. Say, Lord, would you do something in that guy's life? I'll be right here watching. Yeah, I just prayed for you, bro. Watch this. <laughs> and the Lord says, hey, dude, go do it now. Well, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get dirty. I don't, I don't, you know, and the Lord says, no, you go do it. On purpose, God is saying, I'm not going to do anything until you do something. <gasps> That's crazy talk. The Lord is sovereign. He does everything. He's chosen to do it through us. I'm not going to go to that place or that person or that family member or that child or that homeless person. I'm not going to touch their lives at all until you plant a seed of love in their heart, until you humble yourself and get dirty and involved in their lives. What? And you have people in your life right now that you want changed. You want to see them impacted. And, it's, and, and you feel holy about it. Man, I just want to see this person changed. I just want to, Lord, may the love of God impact this person. And the Lord will whisper, you better start loving them then. You better, well, I'll love them when they're lovable, Lord. That's why I want you to make them lovable so I can love them. And the Lord says, eh, no, no. No, no. You go get dirty. Now, this is exciting because I got a lot of energy. I got a lot of energy. I got a lot of ideas. And I want to do stuff. But what blows my mind the most is when I do stuff and have a lot of energy and apply myself and there's no, no, no immediate fruit. It doesn't work. And the Lord says, that's okay. That's okay. You plant, you get dirty, and you go to bed, okay? And I'll do the magic. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, that, that Paul planted and Paulus watered, and, you know, Peter did this, and everyone's freaking out, but God brings the increase, okay? We do our job. We do our job, but God brings the increase. And when, when no one's even looking, all of a sudden, a life is changed after we do our part, Okay, this is why we, we do what we do. Last week we had the year-end review and talked about all the stuff that South Beach Church had done, all the numerous cities and towns and countries that are, that are benefiting from everything we do and the seminars and the concerts. And we believe wholeheartedly that if we swing as hard as we can at the fences, if we try and hit home runs, if we give it our best, God will allow there to be a connect and God will do things. This is the verse though. This is where it comes into context and the encouragement is for you and your people right now that aren't growing, that aren't showing any fruit, that aren't having any love of God. And God says, I want you to give it to them. I want you to give it to them. We believe here at South Beach, and I think you should too, even more so than ever before, that God is gonna follow our lead in what we do by planting, sowing, obeying, and then he brings the increase. Yesterday I was at Fred Meyers. You ever been there before? And I saw this couple, and I kind of recognized them a little bit. I was like, I think they're South Beach Church people. I don't know, though, and I'm busy, so I'm not gonna look at them. <laughs> and so we tried that for a while, and they finally saw me, and oh, you know, and, and they talked to me, you know, it happens. And we were talking, and then we talked a little more, and I, I kind of was like, I don't really know, I don't want to embarrass myself, like, I don't really, know. anyways, you, as I was leaving, I saw him again, and we had a cool conversation, Dan and Diane, okay, it's really hard to forget, Dan and Diane, and they're from Clackamas, they live in Clackamas, they have a house over here and come over occasionally, but they were telling me that this is their favorite church of all the churches they've ever been in. They're hardcore Christians, and, and they, they live over there, but they love to come here. And, I, and then he kept talking, Dan did, and he said, the way we found the church was so cool. We came to Newport one day, and there was a parade going on. We thought, oh, hometown parade, this is so cool, and, you know, traffic was stopped. And so they just watched the parade, and there goes the South Beach Church Bus of God. 
and there goes the South Beach Church crew, and there goes the, and they thought, that church looks crazy, what they're doing, and all that stuff, and so we decided to come check out the church, and now we have grown so much, and all the rest, and I thought to myself, you know, doing those parades, I have to, you know, wonder, is this worth it? What are we doing out here, man? Looking like weirdos, and you know, some people are stoked, and everyone's like, what are those guys, a parade, you know? And what do we do concerts for, and what do we do seminars for, and why do we do things, involvement in the community? Why? As a matter of fact, Friday I did a ride-along with the PacWest Ambulance Services, and for six hours I was with the crew and driving around. It was a really slow day, not a lot of calls, which I suppose is good for the emergency patients. That's okay, you know, we were looking for a little more action. But anyways, after six hours I went and talked to a friend of mine at Starbucks, and she just said, why do you do that? She was just curious, actually. Why, well, what's, how's... And I didn't really have a good answer. I was like, uh, uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, you know, and eventually I finally said, you know what, it actually does a lot for the community. Okay? Builds these guys, these first responders up. It allows me an opportunity to be there when in people's time of need. It's, just, it's for the community. It's just one more thing for the community. One more thing why we do what we do. Why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you planting a seed? And why are you trusting that that's going to bear fruit? Because God told us to. And you're, get, you're discouraged. Everyone in here is discouraged in one way or another with the person you planted. I tried. I planted a seed. It didn't work. Okay? Trust the Lord. Plant some more. Okay? Learn. Learn, learn what's going on. Ask God. God even said one time, Jesus taught a sermon on this one particular tree that wasn't producing fruit, and they wanted to cut it down. He said, no, don't cut it down. Just dig around it. Kind of get some air going to the roots. Fertilize it. Water it. And let's see what happens. Okay? Don't give up. You who have planted and you, you want instant gratification, the Lord says, no, no, I'm sending you out ahead of me where I myself will come after you. Verse two, then he says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus looks at the people and says, guys, I want to touch everyone. That's just the way I'm doing it. I want to touch everyone. You and I don't have that natural built-in vision for the fishing community and the education community and the liberal community. We just, I don't know. And the Lord says, I want to touch everybody. Guys, I want, the, it's truly great. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter 3, 9 is one you could commit to memory. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Do you know God's heart? He wants everyone to repent. And he's gonna send you and I in order to plant seeds that would bear fruit in their lives. The question isn't really about, does God wanna save people, okay? That's not even the problem. That's not the issue, okay? The issue is the amount of people who see that saving people is his heart. In, in this particular case, he says, oh, there's so many people. What do we do? We need to pray for the workers. Come again? Wouldn't you pray for the people? There's so many people. Wouldn't you pray for the people? No, I'm not praying for the people. I'm not worried about the people. If you read this out and believe it, Jesus is saying the people are actually ripe. They're ready to go. They just need people to go out there and love them. And the problem is, is that the laborers aren't loving. Oh, got to be bold. <laughs> and you have to, again, making this decision every morning. Lord, am I sent? Whose mission am I on? I got my job, I got my, my family, my, I got my responsibilities. That's not gonna change for most of us. But the way that I navigate through those waters will. When I show up to Starbucks, when I go to this person, when I pray for them, when I see my part in their lives, so a couple questions for you. How are you doing in the harvest? Okay, the harvest isn't the problem, it's the harvesters. 
Now, we're here at church, okay? So I'm not trying to like berate anybody or get mad at anybody or make you feel bad. You're doing really good. You're here on Sunday morning. Good job. And I feel really good when I go to church also. When I go to seminars and concerts, I feel good, okay? But the Lord would say, I want you to now put into practice that which you've received. I want you to do now the things that you know to do. So what are you going to do or how... I should say it better, what are you willing to do when the Lord leads you in the harvest? Are you willing to plant seeds of love and hope, even if it doesn't bear immediate fruit? As a matter of fact, I was talking to a really good friend of mine, I'll just say it that way, and they were praying for one of their family members, kind of a lost touch family member. I'm just praying for him. that's my family, I'm praying for him. and the Lord kind of put on this person's heart, I want you to be proactive in this prayer. I don't want you, I appreciate the prayer, but you're going to answer it. What you're asking for in this person's life is going to come through you. You're, going to, you're part of the harvest. And I'll tell you what, I, I love studying revival and looking at revival. Um, I want revival. How many of you guys want revival? You, you take a revival? I'll take a revival. Yeah, revival. Listen, revival is not a bunch of people getting saved. Revival is a bunch of saved people living their faith. Okay, and I'm, and I'm part of that crew. It's when Luke Frechette figures it out and says, Dude, I'm already saved. What in the world am I doing? I got a pulse, that's good news, you know, but that's not going to last forever. I got like a limited time. What am I doing? I redeem every single moment. And I, and I put my phone down and I, and I start my, with my family. How's my wife doing? How are my kids doing? Okay, how's my community doing? And then I look at the church. How am I doing at the church? Am I committed to the church? Am I a member? Am I, am I active? Am I present? If I was gone for two weeks, would they even notice? Okay, if everybody prayed the way I pray, would the church pray more or less? If everybody gave the same amount of money I give, would the church have more money or less money? How, what, am, I, am, I, am I committed? And then am I committed to the people of, of this town? Am I? And when we do that, that's revival. I'm not kidding you. When you get fired up and you get fired up and we stay fired up and I'm fired up and they're fired up and we're all fired up, people get saved. Okay? And some of us are waiting for people to get saved to get fired up. Man, if, 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 something, if something crazy happens, I'll be there. I'll be the first one there, first in line. <laughs> no, I want you to get dirty. I want you to be shoving seeds in the ground and watering, getting crazy. And Man, trusting that the Lord will make something beautiful. And too many Christians and churches in particular have a small vision, a real small vision. I struggle with this because we have a small building and, and, and no church in this town can actually facilitate the you know, 67,000 people in Lincoln County. It's too, too, too many people, not enough buildings. And so, oh, well, just, let's just fill a building once or twice or three times. Is that enough? I don't know what the Lord wants to do or how he's going to do it numerically, but I want to have a God-sized vision Okay, for families to be impacted, marriages to be saved, the jail to be decreased in capacity, for people to be growing in their maturity, and just see this town slowly but surely bear fruit as God honors our efforts to plant seeds, and he comes along behind and does what only he can do. But we need to repent, okay, of our comfort, of our lack of spirituality, I don't, I don't see it very much in this church necessarily. I, I do see it a little bit, but there's, there's fear of, of, of change or growth. I don't want to have a life group at my house, okay? People will come over. I don't want to do that, you know? Wouldn't that be a tragedy if, if, if Jesus gave you a house, but no one ever came to that house, you know? Or if Jesus gave you a couch and no one ever sat on that couch? Wouldn't that be a tragedy? And you get to heaven and say, hey, what, did you like that couch I gave you? Oh, man, it was great. Slept on it, fully stretched out, you know. No, I, gave, I gave that to you for, for people. Or, or God gives you a car, but, but no one ever gets in it. 
or he gave to you a mouth or a heart or eyeballs, and yet you never use those to interact with the kingdom of God. And I don't see it necessarily in this church in that way, but some churches don't want to grow. I don't want anybody sitting in my seat. That's my seat. You know what I'm saying? And I, I get it. I've sat, where you, I've sat where you sit. I had my seat too. I know where my seat was. But growth, you know, the, the, the things got to change. Parking lot's going to get full. We, churches sometimes don't grow because they don't have a vision for growth. They don't, don't change any of the insides or outsides or the exterior. They don't change anything because they don't want to see anybody saved. They don't know it, but they show it in that way. And when you say, Lord, would you just bust out the walls? Would you do whatever you got to do? And Lord's like, well, it's going to get messy. It's going to get crazy. If I give you bumper-to-bumper crops, you realize that those extra seeds are there to plant more seeds, and it's going to get nuts. You're going to have to get new facilities. You're going to have to get new parking lots and new bathrooms, and you're going to have to get new chairs, and you have to get new styles, and you're going to have to get new procedures and new things and new friends and new faith and new all of that. This is what Jesus sees six months before he dies. He could have just beelined it, okay, right down to Jerusalem. But that guy's on the way there, 35 teams, Go out and touch some people. Go out and do some stuff, okay? I'll follow up behind. Trust me, I got a plan for each and every one of the things that you guys do in my name. And again, some of us here need to repent of this. I'm the, I'm the first to admit that I love just kind of organized chaos. You know what I'm saying? Like the perception of chaos and energy, but like on my own terms. You know, if I can shut it off at the end of the day and like, just kind of, I'm done, I'm done. I gotta, you know, and there's a time and a place for rest and isolation to seek the Lord. But, but I think this vision Jesus had is one that you and I need to embrace. And he gives a very holistic teaching. I've read it to you. Unfortunately, we only got two verses. But Jesus tells them what to do and what not to do. Guys, I'm going to send you out. He tells them four things to do, four things not to do. You can study it on your own. We'll look at it next week. He says it's going to get messy. Verse 3, right off the bat. Lord, would you send out laborers? There's so many people. We need more laborers. Amen. Behold, I send you. Go, verse 3. I send you as lambs amongst wolves. And he tells them, don't bring a bunch of stuff. You don't need a backpack. You don't need anything for this particular mission trip. Just go. Don't be all freaked out. Trust me. Don't bring extra shoes. I'll take care of that. Okay, there's a Nike outlet when you get there. Don't worry about it. Don't greet anybody on the road, he says. The greetings in those days would take hours at times, distracting you from the purpose. He said, just stay focused, just go. Find a house, find a ministry, find a person. Pour into them, stay there. Trust that the Lord will honor your labor. I want you guys to have some sort of handles on a teaching like this and so i've already given them to you throughout the teaching but it's truly to see yourself as an ambassador of christ i'm sent in the world if you were in china okay or afghanistan or turkey or israel and you had your american embassy you know briefcase and you know you would be very aware why you're there okay you would be very aware of your orders and the importance of your mission you would be very tuned in to the homeland, to the mothership, relaying information and being that person in the gap. You would, you would know. You might enjoy, you know, being a turkey for a minute, you know, a little Turkish delight here or there, whatever the case is, you know. But you would know why you're there. So too as Christians, we need to repent. Say, what am I doing here? Wait, wait, what am I doing here? I'm here 
as an eternal spirit having a temporary human experience. Awesome. That's what I'm doing. And I need to dedicate myself to whatever God wants to do, these three areas. I'm going to have the worship team come up. These three areas. Okay? In my home, my family. I need to repent. Lord, I want you to grow. I want you to grow in my kids, my wife. I want you to use me to sow. I want you to use me to plant those seeds of love, patience, temperance, joy, and love. Instead of asking God to heal your marriage, you be the healing. You do what you need to do, husbands. You do what you need to do, wives. You do it. You submit. You give forgiveness. You give love. You give embrace. You give care and concern. You do it. Maybe it's your kids. Wow, my kid's crazy, man. It's crazy. Driving me nuts. Rah, I just need someone to... Rah. Which says, whoa, you just need to love them. You need to love them. Yeah, but I'll wait till they become lovable before I love them. I'll wait till they figure it out before I extend myself. No, no, no. Love them. And not just your family, but your church. This is so important. You guys are here on Sunday. I'm just so thankful. But, but, but do you value the church? Do, do you pray for the church? Do you see yourself as an ambassador with the church? Do you give of your of your financial support to the church? Is that, is that what you do? do you, have you made that decision? Beginning of the year. It's beginning of the year. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. What am I doing? I'm going to heaven when I die. I need to le- live like it until then. And not just your family, not just the church, but the people around us. Jesus in verse 2 said, let's pray. Did you know that at 8.30 in the morning, we pray before our services? And we pray in that way. We pray for our services, 8.30. We also pray for the services of every church in town. And we pray for everyone who's in our town not going to services. We, we want people to be blessed. We want people to be taken care of. And if God has made you an ambassador of Christ, let it be to the family that you live with, to the church you attend, and to the people that aren't going to church yet. The people that are looking at you, they, they're, they're all messed up still. And you might not like them because they're, they're dirty still. God says, cool, get, get involved. I'm coming behind you and going to do a work that will produce fruit. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now because I want God to give you a vision I want God to give you some people in your mind right now of who this might be. Why are you here? Why are you alive right now? What's, yours? What's, what's God's will for the mission of Jesus with your life? Father, I pray for your laborers that are here this morning, that you would right now put impressions on their minds. The people, the very men and women, Lord, that you have asked them to live with in their homes or to attend church with here or to work with in the community. Those people that need the love of God. That Jesus, you're going to do something in their lives. And I pray, Lord, for a refreshment of love to be given to us to implant to others. Maybe a cantankerous coworker, just, ah, God will give you love for that person. Get dirty, get dirty in their life. Just love them, embrace them. Maybe there's just people that bother you at the store, wherever you just, maybe just, maybe everyone bothers you. And Lord, say, knock it off. I want you to have the love that I have for these people. And so Jesus, I pray that you would impact our hearts and minds. That you would, Lord, secure visions that you've put on our hearts, Lord, to be part of ministries so, so various, Lord. That we would all be those hands and feet, trusting that you'll come behind us and you'll do the real work. You've asked us to do our work, Lord, but you do the miracles. You do the increase. You do it. All the glory goes to you. Would you bless us? And Jesus, you said that no, no seed can produce fruit unless it first dies and falls into the ground. But once it does, it can then produce much fruit. Jesus, this was alluding to your death, 
burial and resurrection. That because you would do what we could never do, you would produce much fruit. And so as we come to the table, the believer's table of communion, those who believe that you died for them, that you rose again, that your body broken, your blood spilled was enough for them. And now we can be ambassadors with you through the Holy Spirit, through the forgiveness of Jesus. We do this, Lord, examining ourselves, proclaiming your death until you return, asking for an energy, Lord, and a repentance as you lead us to the cross. May we be, Lord, infused with your love for the people around us. We do all that we do now in Jesus' name. And everybody said...